Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr with your World Series postgame show. Stephen, four runs with Garrett Cole on the mound and Scherzer out after five innings. That sounds like the formula for a win, doesn't it? Yeah, if you'd have told me that, I would have said, oh, Astros are going to get game one. Good, great. Well, it didn't turn out that way. I guess this is why we play the games, Robert, because on paper, everything looks great. Uh, but you got to go out on the field and execute. And to me, the difference in the game tonight really was the Nationals were able to take uh, advantage of a less than sharp Garrett Cole. The Astros, not quite so much with Max Scherzer. They scratched out two runs in the first inning, but he threw 112 pitches in those five innings. But I bet if you asked him, probably felt like he threw 200 the way they were making him work. But chances in the third inning with runners in scoring position. And then, of course, even after he was out of the game, the bullpen looked vulnerable for the Nats. Seventh inning, bases loaded, no runs. And, or at least not after the bases were loaded. And then, of course, in the eighth, they even left some chances. And then in the ninth, when you think they could really do it, they go one, two, three. So, wow, 11 runners stranded. We, we keep talking about this, but, you know, the Nationals have consistently been a clutch-hitting team throughout the postseason, and the Astros just haven't. They have in spots, but not very often. Yeah, let me quote Nostra Kerr, who before the postseason started said, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about the Astros not getting hits with runners in scoring position. You've been right on the money. They were batting 170 in the postseason going into this game with runners in scoring position, three for 12 in this one. One of those hits, it wasn't even Really a big hit because Correa gets an infield single with the runner on second, so you couldn't even get a run off of that one. Jordan showed signs of coming out of it. I mean, he had the two hits. He had the walk. But, of course, with this one shot with runners in scoring position, bases loaded, he strikes out, misses the one pitch to hit in that at-bat with the bases loaded because he just fouls it off. That, that That's just one of those pitches that he can't seem to take advantage of recently. So he's now one for 16 with runners in scoring position in the playoffs. Yeah, and Alex Bregman kind of uh, took his place tonight. He didn't look that great at the plate either. And getting back to Alvarez, I guess we can't really use the, oh, he's so young excuse anymore because Juan Soto is going to turn 21 on Friday. And he had a homer and a two-run double. He was three for four on the night. Uh, th the moment doesn't seem too big for Juan Soto. Yeah, becomes the fourth youngest player to homer in a World Series game. Miguel Cabrera, Andrew Jones, and this guy named Mickey Mantle. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He, yeah, those are the that other, sounds familiar. Those <laughs> are the other three. He also became one of four players with multiple extra base hits in a game against Garrett Cole in 2019. So that didn't happen very often. Uh, it, it started off like... You know, we were very excited about it, Stephen. It all looked great. Yuli gets the RBI double in the first inning, and there you go. We got got a big hit with runners in scoring position, and they just never could do anything after that. And you mentioned Alex Bregman. He's got to get it going. He hasn't been good in the playoffs, period. And, you know, one thing about Alex Bregman, he's very picky about what he's going to swing at. And, you know, that works really well in the regular season, I think he's getting a little bit too picky in the postseason because these pitchers are much better. And if you're waiting for a mistake, you're likely not going to find one with some of these guys. 
Yeah, that's a great point because, yeah, during the regular season, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to wait for a good pitch to hit or a bad pitch as far as the pitcher is concerned. But in the postseason, that's not going to happen as often. But, you know, we, we've said this throughout the, the postseason, Robert, on these podcasts. Yes, it's true. The Astros have faced some great pitching. I mean, the Nats have some great pitching. Matt Scherzer is an elite pitcher. But there have been many occasions where those great pitchers have looked less than stellar. And we saw it again tonight. And the Astros have, have just, throughout the whole post, so you keep waiting for them to just bust out and really make these pitchers pay. And you're only going to get so many chances in a game and in a series to do that. And eventually, that tank is going to run dry. And unfortunately for the Astros, it ran dry in game one of the World Series. So once again, they're going to play behind one game tonight. It's not like they haven't been here before, but they, they just do not put teams away quickly and early. And it just goes to show you that the bookmakers don't know what they're talking about because now the Astros are the heavy favorites and the Nationals are the team that they, they aren't supposed to be here. And sometimes more often than not, that just seems to uh, turn the tables. The, the Washington Nationals obviously showed they do deserve to be here tonight. Yeah, if you look through the postseason numbers, going back to the runners in scoring position, before this game, Correa was 3 for 11, Altuve 1 for 4, Brantley 2 for 8, Yuli uh, 4 for 17, obviously had the, the one hit in this game with the runners in scoring position, uh, George Springer 1 for 6, and, and George, that's actually a good sign because uh, what we saw from George, World Series George showed up, gets the home run, uh, extra base hit. I mean, he, he had a huge night. So George Springer did what he was supposed to do. He he did do things with runners in scoring position. But Alex Bregman, you know, I pointed him because, you know, I just didn't do anything. Struck out twice. We never see the guy strike out that much in a regular season game. But that's how much he's struggling. And he's one for 10 with runners in scoring position going into tonight's game and couldn't get it done again in this game. Had, had another opportunity or two. So, yeah, it, it, it's been bad. The, the clutch guy, Mr. Clutch, uh, going into this this World Series game was Martin Maldonado, who was who was one for one. He just gets big hits. You know, Martin Maldonado does. Uh, he sure does. And, you know, the Nationals, they, they did do some base running, and we knew that was going to happen. They had 116 steals, I think third in the majors. Um, so you knew that was going to happen, and that was one reason you wanted Maldonado in there, not just because he seems to have been a better hitter in the postseason – than Robinson Chirinos, but defensively, I mean, he didn't throw the runners out, but at least having him out there, I, I thought the Nationals would run more than they did, uh, but I don't know if that's just because the situations, didn't, they didn't think feel like they called for it, or they knew Maldonado was in there, didn't want to take too many chances, but that's one of the reasons you want him in there, but yep, he just continues to show up in the postseason to some degree. Before Yuli Gurriel's double in the first inning, opposing hitters were 0 for 17 versus Scherzer with runners in scoring position this postseason. So just the opposite of the Astros. He's getting it done in those big situations. Two for 43 with two strikeouts. Uh, just uh, overall, I mean, it, the, he's shut teams down in, those, in, in that type of situation. But how about this stat on Yuli? Prior to the World Series, you know, he didn't strike out. Yuli had 155 postseason plate appearances, uh, but just 15 strikeouts. He did have a strikeout in this game, but 
when you get the bat on the ball that much in the postseason against the type of pitching that you faced, it's really, really impressive. And Josh Reddick actually told Channel 11's Daniel Gotera on Monday that Yuli was going to be the World Series MVP. He, he started off looking like it. You know, he, he yeah. was trying. Yeah, he certainly is. I mean, he's made great contact throughout the postseason. It's not not only is the fact that he's not striking out much, but when he is making contact, he's making solid contact. The, the balls just aren't getting there. So, you know, at some point they are going to and they have you know, in the last couple of games, especially they, they have started to fall. So, hey, he still could be the MVP. You know, it, it, Springer after game one in 2017, when he uh, had all those outs. And strikeouts, he still managed to come back and be the MVP. So if it can happen with Springer, it could certainly happen with Gurriel too. If you go through the Astros order, like I said, Springer was big, two for three. Altuve, you know, had the hit in the first inning, but nothing really after that. Big situation with Scherzer uh, early in the game. He, he he couldn't get the hit, struck out in that situation. Uh, Brantley, uh, he was one for four in this one. Uh, Bregman. Again, the struggles 0 for 4. Uh, Guriel was 2 for 5. He had that kind of weird double along with the the one that he had in the first end, kind of the, the bloop double that they couldn't get to. Correa, you know, he had the infield single with the runner on second, which was good, but three strikeouts there. Yeah, I still think it's just like you need him for the defense, but he did cost you an out early in the game. with, with uh, I, That was an error. They called that an error, correct? Yeah, that that's that's what the most amazing thing to me is is that both he and Alex Bregman striking out more than usual, and those are two of your bats that you know usually pretty consistent. You need them to get going. And let me ask you this about Garrett Cole. Now, the last couple of outings, Garrett Cole just hasn't looked like Garrett Cole, the Cole train. What do you attribute that to? Do you do you think he's just finally fatiguing at this point, or? Just not locating his pitch. What what do you see as far as Cole in his last two starts? He's not locating quite as well because we, we're seeing him walk guys more often. I mean, he was a lot of three ball counts, which was unusual for him. I mean, he he did. I mean, it was good early in the game because there were times where he he got some quick outs, uh, but then there are other times where you know he he got it up to to three ball counts a lot of times, even if they didn't walk. Uh, you know. But he did have just one walk in the game. It just felt like there were more times where he he was missing uh, some big pitches. That, that the one the one home run that first home run that was right over the middle of the plate. You could you saw just from his reaction almost as soon as the ball was released. Yeah, I think that's what it is too, as a matter of location. And yet, if the Astros' offense had done what it is is so known for, the fact is they still could have won the game. I mean that that's just the thing is. He yeah, he gave up five runs, but the team still had a chance to win the game later on. But yeah, I think it's just a matter of location. I, I don't know. And he seemed to finish strong, at, as he usually does toward the end of the game. But unfortunately, by then he'd already given up the five runs. I'm gonna throw something out there that I felt like Hinch might have missed something. Uh, Ledmus Diaz comes up uh, to pinch hit. You you recall this situation? Uh, it was after Maldonado, I think, had gotten out. Uh, Jordan was on base. And yeah, he pinched it for Reddick the the time he pitched it for Reddick, right? Right, right. So, right. Uh, the only thing that I had the thing or the thing that I had issue with there was Corbin was in the game. You know, so Corbin kind of surprised everybody. They surprised us all with bringing in Corbin, but 
Jake Marisnik is four for five against Patrick Corbin. And I was shocked that he wouldn't have brought Marisnik up there. It's not like Ledmus Diaz has shown you anything in the postseason. And Marisnik has a history against Corbin of success. Well, you know, that's a good point. I honestly hadn't thought about that. And especially with AJ so big on the matchups, you would have thought that uh, Marisnik would have come in there. And uh, certainly if he'd gotten on base, you would have had a great base runner there, just like you did with uh, Kyle Tucker when he pinch hit because he's a smart base runner. So, yeah, that is interesting. It, that that kind of does stand out now that I have a chance to think about it, that why didn't you put Marisnik in there when he had such success against Corbin? And Corbin was certainly on the ropes. One of the big storylines that I, I, I was listening to Buster Olney's podcast, and they were saying, well, here's one of the things that you can look at. The Astros, they're, uh, you know, they're getting most of their runs on home runs, and the Nationals – haven't needed the home run to get their runs. And they said, well, it's going to be tough for the Astros to, to, to win. If you keep having to rely on the home runs, but uh guess you got some home runs. I mean, it was the nationals in this game. They got a couple. I mean, obviously the, the Astros got Springer's home run, but yeah, I mean, they out home run, the home run to the Astros. I don't know if that's a saying or not, but they out home run. I'm, I'm trying to say, it. well, you just, yeah, yeah. And we outgunned them, maybe out homered them, out homered them. That's probably a better way to put that's it. That's it. Uh, it's yeah. it's late. But, These games are so late at night. I, I, I'm lucky if I can we're, speak. We're all getting tongue tied. Yeah, we're all getting tongue tied. And I, well, that's true. But again, it, it just comes down to missed opportunities, really. You know, the, the Nationals, they were able to take care of those opportunities, and they did play a little bit of small ball. Uh, but, again, the, the Astros just had those opportunities, just couldn't take them. So I think that the home runs by the Nationals and the missed opportunities is really what helped them win game one. The good news, if you're the Astros, I guess, is that you did get into the Nationals' bullpen a lot. It might not have mattered in this game. Maybe that helps you down the road. What are you thinking as we move forward? You know, Justin Verlander, against Strasburg, we got to say this. This is a must-win game now. Game two is a must-win game. Well, it certainly is. And let me tell you, Strasburg, uh, he's certainly not worse than Scherzer. He's 3-0, and a 1.64 ERA, 33 strikeouts and 22 innings in the postseason. So, hey, you thought Scherzer was tough. Listen, Strasburg's no slouch. And uh, he's, he's going to be doing that. And, of course, you pitched uh, – Corbin in game one, so you don't see him starting game three. So you're probably looking at Anibal Sanchez. Well, he's got an 071 ERA uh, with a 63 whip, one run and five hits. So, you know, the, these guys are trying out some good pitchers. No question about it. Uh, you know, one thing I, I forgot to do in our Astros World Series preview yesterday was, you know, I needed to pat our, ourselves on the back a little bit, uh, just the, the the show itself, because in our our preview show before the season, RG and I both picked the Nationals and Cardinals in the LCS. I, I forgot about it. I re-listened to it. I was like, oh, yeah, we, we did pick the Nationals and Cardinals in the LCS. I had the Nationals actually in the World Series. So every now and then a scroll, wow. you know, blind scroll can find a nut. And then RG picked the Cardinals to be, just a little bit contrarian to me. I don't know if he really believed in it, but he's like, yeah, I'll just go the other way. And then I picked, uh, well, RG picked the Astros in the World Series, so he got that right. I don't. I, I might have said the Yankees, but I also said whoever makes the big trade deadline move between the Astros, Yankees, and Red Sox would be in the World Series. And all in all, you know, it was Granky, so 
Our our picks were not too bad. So what you're saying is that between the two of you, you picked the Astros and the Nationals in the World Series. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sort of. And and you're kick and you're not kicking yourself for for not placing a bet. Yeah, we should have uh, <laughs> gone to our friends over at my bookie and placed a bet. Oh, no. you'd have won some serious money at least to getting there. Yeah, wow, that's pretty impressive because I don't know too many people. You know, a lot of people pick the Astros, but I don't know too many people who pick the Nationals. And let me tell you, after 50 games, it sure didn't look like the Nationals were going to go anywhere. Uh, 19 and 31, that's not going to get you too many places. But uh, they they certainly played some ball, much better ball later on. And here they are. And now the Astros know they're for real because they're down one game to none. There was another another bit of news from the Astros uh, today. And God, I mean, I just, gosh, Stephen, I, I just, I'm real frustrated that this is just happening way too often. The Astros, uh, they, it's frustrating. You know, I, I, I think by now most have heard the SI story detailing Astros assistant GM Brandon Taubman's angry rant directed at three female journalists in the Astros locker room after game six of the LCS. And Taubman insisted in a statement that his rant defending Roberto Osuna had nothing to do with Osuna's sexual assault allegations, which honestly I find that about as disingenuous as it gets. And Stephen, I don't want to dwell on this too much because, you know, we'd like to enjoy the World Series and baseball. But, you know, you'll find out shortly why this was important to me and our podcast. You know, I, I said this on Twitter. I said, hey, look, the Astros, they've been extraordinary on the field under Jim Crane's ownership. 99% of their players, incredible people, exemplary in the community. On the other hand, their management has made some awful missteps and appears to just show a lack of respect and regard for journalism and journalists. You and I talked about this in the podcast a few months ago with the Verlander situation. You know, you know, I know and trust the journalists involved in some of the instances. I haven't heard officially which women Talman aimed his vitriol towards, but I have reason to believe it's a couple of local journalists who've been regulars on this podcast and let me just say, hmm. they're honorable to the journalism profession. Their word is what their career is based on. As a trained journalist my, myself, I'm just disappointed by the Astros organization starting at the top. And Stephen, the Astros doubled down on their idiocy by basically calling the SI reporter a liar. And they never apologized in their following statement because they, you know, everybody backed up those three female journalists. So Major League Baseball announced an independent investigation, and I'm guessing the Astros management gets reprimanded for this. I'm, you know, it's just it's oh, terrible. I'm sure they will. I'm, I'm sure they will. And I mean, the, this makes the Astros look bad on so many fronts. Yeah, not only did they basically say that the story was misleading and irresponsible journalism, you know, but then they come out with their second statement and basically just try to cover up or take up. For Taubman. So essentially what they're saying is at first they said, no, that, that never happened. And then they come back and say, well, yeah, OK, he made the comments, but they were totally taken out of context. I mean, first of all, what was he doing in there in the clubhouse, ranting and raving and using expletives about Roberto Osuna? I mean, you think the guy you think Roberto Osuna was the one who won game six and got the Astros into the World Series. He just blew a two run lead. I mean, I know that's a minor point, but my point is, what was he in there for in the first place? yelling and screaming about Roberto Osuna and how glad he was to have him and, you know, effing glad we had Osuna and stuff like that. I mean, it just it, it just makes them look bad on so many fronts. 
And the Baseball Writers Association of America is basically calling for the Astros to make a public apology for the way they treated the journalists. Now, the the, the person who wrote the story, I believe her name is Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, she even gave the Astros, I think one of the questions, why was this, why did they wait to publish this story for so long? And from what I understand, Epstein gave the Astros enough time to respond. They did. She went with the story. And then, of course, they tried to retract their statement with something different. So, yeah, I wish we weren't talking about this either, Robert. I'd much rather talk about game one of the World Series, even though it was an Astros loss, instead of something like this. I also want to give a little credit to uh, Gloria Terry, who's the chief executive officer for the Texas Council on Family Violence, who I think made a tremendously, tremendously classy statement. Uh, she said the Astros and Astros Foundation have made a public, concerted, and meaningful effort to become partners in the fight against domestic violence. I am confident in the organization's authentic support of the Texas Council on Family Violence and Region 7 domestic violence organizations. If the entire Astros organization is to be judged by the words of one employee, it should be by the words of Daryl Wade, director of the Astros Youth Academy. I had the honor to stand alongside him at Minute Maid Park just last week. I was inspired that a man of both strength and sensitivity is serving in a leadership role, influencing young men and boys towards happy, healthy relationships. His commitment to violence prevention is unwavering. I urge you to listen to voices like Daryl's, even when they are not as loud as shouts coming from the locker room, but indeed more powerful. Well, that's good that she does take the high road, but it just it, it makes not only the Astros look bad, really, it makes Major League Baseball look bad in the sense that it, I was listening to the pregame show on ESPN radio before game one. And they kind of alluded to what you said a little while ago, Robert, that it just seems like the analytics are taking over the game and the human element is going out of it and not just on the field, but in other off the field issues. It, it just seems that baseball is turned a blind eye to, to some issues. And yeah, I, I'm sure major league baseball is going to come down on the Astros, Brandon Taubman in particular, you know, to some degree, Probably, who knows, maybe not enough to satisfy some people, but it just continues to draw attention to things over and over again, whether it's racism, whether it's domestic violence, or so a lot of the issues that we unfortunately have to keep talking about on this podcast and in the media in general. It, it's a shame that we just have to keep addressing these things because they aren't being addressed directly within the industry, within the game itself. Well, I'm going to end this and try to spin this a little bit positive because the Astros lost the game. The Astros lost a PR fight today. But one thing that they got right is they had Brian McCann and Evan Gaddis out for the first pitch of the game, which was you know really cool to see those two guys out there. Uh, Evan Gaddis with some emotion talking about his experience in Houston and going from losing to the Dodgers in 2013 when he was with the Braves in the playoffs to winning the World Series against the Dodgers and four knee surgeries and everything that he went to. And I just love those guys. You will forever love those guys, Stephen, for what they did as an Astro. Well, that's right. And you know what? Winning a World Series, no matter what happens moving forward, I mean, look, even if the Astros lose this World Series – Winning a, winning a World Series, that is something you can never take away from the guys who did it, from the whole team. And guys like Evan Gaddis, who had such a he – was, he was down and out at one point, and yet 
he comes back, he's able to play, not only play baseball, but he's able to play on a World Series championship team. That is something that will be there for the rest of their lives. You know, they're, they're going to have reunions, probably five, 10, 20 year reunions, 50 years, just like the Mets. You know, they had their 1969 reunion this year. This is something that's going to continue on and on and on and on throughout the rest of Astros history and throughout the rest of these players' lives. And that's really what it's all about. Also, Blanco, you, you just want to hug the big bear every time you see him. Uh, it's good to see him. Good to see Brian McCann. Good luck in retirement, Brian. Uh, the baseball will miss guys like you for sure. The final score of this one, Astros lose game one, five to four. We hope we got better news for you in tomorrow's postgame show. Until next time, see you later. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.